welcome to Jag Bags, a discussion of all things pop culture. I'm Mike Byer. And I am still Summerlin. And welcome to the summer program. You are listening live from home studios in Woodridge, Illinois. The electricity in the studio audience is palpable. They are tanned. They are back from vacation and they are ready to rock. And so let's give these guys a good show. Uh, it is our recap episode. We're back from vacation. I know you missed us. Uh, we missed you. And for tonight's recap, we're just we're not gonna we're not gonna deviate too far from the formula. We're going to be talking MLB. We're going to be talking WNBA. Shocking developments. Uh, in the Chicago Sky uh, Arena. We'll go through all that. I recommend where Len and I have had two weeks to think about and come up with our recommendations to improve your life culturally. And that's what we will do uh, with our I recommend section. And then finally, Rolling Stones, top 500 albums of all time, uh, we uh, get back onto that horse along with Len's favorite 500. Uh, this should be a good one. And we're glad you're here with us. Uh, but first off, before we uh, get to any of this, um, we, uh, as, as everyone knows, the response to my cameo as Ron in uh, Lane Call was truly incredible. Um, it really, uh, you know, like, I, and these are other people's words, not mine. Uh, to quote Assistant Director Jennifer Betancourt, standing ovations. Uh, <laughs> as After I walked out from my one line. Needless to say, I've had some offers. Uh, uh, a... Uh, the Algonquin County Fair has uh, wanted to know if Ron would like to MC wow. uh, the um, uh, chili contest. So uh, I'll be appearing at the Algonquin uh, County Fair in a couple of weeks. Uh, they're going to be paying me. Uh, well, I'll be working for tips, but. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Well. Uh, and then uh, Public Access has asked me to do some Ronologues. So uh, I'll be uh, uh, showing up in costume uh, to do that. So look for that starting in uh, September. And then uh, <laughs> up around uh, the holidays, it'll be a holiday. Uh, Ron sings your holiday favorites. That will be going on at the Star Plaza. So wow. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited. What about happened that. to Hollywood, though? I thought you were pitching your Ron sitcom in Hollywood. That's why we're gone for two weeks. Well, uh, I had a lot of meetings, and they went really well, none other than Mr. Tyler Perry. Uh, <laughs> Tyler Perry, great. I met with him, although uh, there was talk about like maybe pushing me out just to, uh, you know, they liked my story, but maybe a younger actor. That hurt. Or maybe Tyler Perry wanted to play Ron. It would be Tyler Perry. Um, so uh, there's also a also in real time documentary that follows my journey. 
as I turn Ron into a sitcom hero. So there'll be a, a crew following me around that will be produced by Mr. Bill Curtis. So, wow. mm -hmm. uh, so lots of the uh, Bill Curtis verify that or. Uh, I was thinking of asking Bill Curtis. Uh, sent him a few notes, and uh, oh, okay. uh, I'm not sure what to make of his latest note. It was a little cryptic. It was something along the lines of "Stop writing me," uh, <laughs> but not sure how to interpret that. That interpret yeah. probably playing hard to get. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So more exciting to come. But again, uh, Algonquin County Fair. Ron will be judging and emceeing the chili cook-off. That's going to be explosive. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great, Dave. Congratulations. Right. Thanks, thanks. I owe it all to you guys and uh, the kids. You do know that anything you do with Ron, me and Oaken get a significant percentage, right? Um, I talked to Franklin Sampson about that, and uh, he said he, well, he laughed at me, but I'm sure that means I have some rights. Uh, so, um, uh, well. Well, uh, I'll, uh, I, of course, will uh, compensate you guys fairly from the tips that I receive at the Algonquin County Fair. Uh, right. I'm going to send Morgue there with you to make sure we get our proper share. I am really hurt that uh, you would not trust my own reporting of uh, my profits. I know uh, you're lying or threatened when you start talking in that robotic voice. So <laughs> Morgue will definitely be coming. Well, Morg can taste some of the more suspect chili uh, dishes that uh, I'll, I'll make him try those first. Um, so that'll be good. That'll be good. Yeah. Big things happening. Big things. Uh, well, congratulations. Yeah. I'm glad we took two weeks off for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lots of big, well, you know, it's best not to rush these things. Uh, <laughs> uh should we go to MLB? Yeah. Why don't you talk Guardians? Because I don't know what's going on with them. Oh, let me ask real quick. Is no one in the division above 500? How dare you, Len? The Cleveland Guardians, as we speak, I think, are at 500. Let's <laughs> are they in first now or are the Twins in first? They Well, the Guardians lost yesterday to KC. So... Apparently, trying to get a sweep was too much to hope for. So mm -hmm. they lost, and I didn't see what the Twins did. I saw the Cubs won, and the Sox lost. But then the Twins gave the Orioles a good fight before losing 15-2. to two. So <laughs> uh, right now, the Indians, the powerful, or sorry, the powerful Guardians are in first place alone with a record of 45-45. and 45. Uh Oh. <laughs> Wow, what, a what an awful division. What a division. Uh, the Twins are uh, hot on the heels of the Guardians with a 45 and 46 record. What a race. And the, you know what the sad thing is, is that uh, the Tigers are five and a half back in this awful division. <laughs> the Tigers are the next closest uh, challenger. They're five and a half back. The Sox are eight back. Even uh, the socks are horrible on their eight back. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, not, I mean, it's not like double figures. And then the Royals in this terrible division are 19 and a half games out of first. <laughs> the, worst the Royals have three wins. Eight, right. 
this is the worst division probably in the history of baseball and the Royals are totally out of it. I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I think the worst division winner ever was 82 and 80. Uh, yeah. Was that the Cardinals? I don't remember who it was, but yeah, 82 and 80. Um, I remember, uh, let's see the worst world series winner. Um, I thought was the, uh, the Cardinals in 2006. I think they had, um, let's see here. I think they had a losing. No, no, they did not have. Well, a I was 82. I'm pretty sure it was 82 and 80. I don't think there's ever been a losing. Division. The worst team of all time to win the world series was the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah. They finished the season 83 and 78. And then won the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then the twins, they, the Kent Herbeck, Kirby Puckett twins, they won 85 games and then won it all. No, I, I was just saying division winner, not not World Series winner. Yeah, well, you might be right on the division winner. Yeah. You might be right. Well, I'll tell you, this year's uh, AL Central winner will give uh, that a run for their money. Although I still think the Guardians can get hot. And I still think the twins can get hot. I, you know, uh, as far as the Sox go, I think uh, if we listen to our good friend, Bruce Hollett, who has been following the Sox closely and is just bemoaning, he was, he was just like, he shared a story that Jimenez um, was at the plate. He had two strikes on him. He tried to call time. The umpire did not allow him to call time. So Jimenez stepped out of the batter's box and uh, threw a strike right down the middle and their umpire rung him up and Jimenez didn't even argue. He just was like, oh, well, okay. I tried, walked back to the dugout. And, uh, and Bruce was like, I, why? I was trying to get my camera out to see uh, Griffel's face after all that happened. This is just pure disgust, but he's like, the season's over. I mean, they, they, and for uh, him to say that uh, really tells you a lot about uh, how the Sox have been playing lately. Not, not good. Not good. Um, yeah. You have to, you still have to call them the biggest disappointment in. It's, it's amazing how bad they're. I mean, all they'd have to do is be mediocre and they'd be right there with the guardians right and you don't again i've said this probably 10 times you look at their roster and you don't how are they this bad they've got as much talent as anybody yeah it's really uh and uh at this point you have to really think about blowing the whole thing up you just don't see any path for them to improve based on, you know, just, I mean, these guys, well, I mean, the injuries, sure, but you can, that only, I think that excuse only goes so far. No. Yeah. With all the underachieving and. Yeah. They would it's benefit. gotta be making you insane if you're a Sox fan, which I'm sure Bruce is going crazy. It really does. Well, he's now just gone to, uh, he gets on the phone with me and says, so uh, he lives in Boulder, Colorado, um, and 
after living in Chicago in Bridgeport uh, for many, many years, and then Hyde Park. Um, and so he'll, he'll call and be like, so what's the scuttlebutt on Chicago with the Sox? And I know that he's given up on the season when he called me today and said, so what's going on with the Bears? <laughs> so weary acceptance of the Sox fate. Oh, man, he started with the Bears. He's, he's yeah. given up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I feel – and it's funny because the Guardians are in this full-on mode where they're like, we're just going to play the kids and see who we've got. We're going to see who uh, – because they've got a surplus of these young guys that they have nothing more to prove in the minors. They are ready to play in the major leagues, but they can't find spots for all of them. And I think they're just going to keep – playing as they're not they're not necessarily playing with an eye to winning the division they're playing with an eye to try and develop these young guys to see which ones you know maybe having the most success and where they fit the best in you know at a position they're moving guys around and just to see where they can get a comfort level um so it's not like they're plugging plugging them in it's not like they're like okay we got to win this division um you know we've got to you know get this thing settled and you know we're playing you know we're going for broke you don't get that sense at all they're Shane Bieber being traded is still very much on the table they're not saving him for any kind of playoff run if they can get a good uh you know, return for him. I, I, they'll, I know they'll consider it. Even though, you know, when we've talked about this ad nauseum on the podcast, even though Bieber's value, I feel, has decreased a little, he's still a serviceable guy and give you six good innings. Um, maybe he's going to give up three or four runs now as opposed to one or two, but he's a guy that can get you to a bullpen. So I'm, and, and again, I've said this before, I'll say it again. I'm, I'm not in favor of moving him just to, you know, because we're not going to be able to keep him. I, I, I think you have to have a, get a good return, but you know, but teams like the Reds, for example, I mean, the Reds could, you know, the Reds have gone crazy. They're like 10 over 500 now. Unbelievable. Yeah. So if they could, and they've got a ton of prospects still, so if they could trade one or two guys and get a reliable guy like Bieber, you bet they're going to, you know, they're going to kick the tires on them. Um, same with Arizona who could use a, a good stuff. Another really big surprise team. Yeah. Yeah. So I think if he gets moved, he'll go to a national league team, but the fact that they're thinking about trading him and then relying on three rookies uh, it seems like McKenzie may be out for the season. That's a huge blow. Um, Quantrill has looked awful since coming back. It's getting shelled. Uh, the bright spot is that Savale seems to finally be healthy. And, you know, I've said this before. I'll say it again. Savale is as good as anybody if he's right. If he's got his control, he's able to paint the corners. We were home. Uh, in Cleveland, where I was conducting my Ron negotiations uh, uh, 
for uh, uh, future deals and uh, watched Savale pitch. He was masterful, masterful. I was like, mm-hmm. well, where's this guy been? Um, and uh, so, you know, that would be a bonus if they could. Uh, but the three rookies, Bybee, uh, Williams, and Allen have all been really good, really good. So, but how can you really count on three rookies in the playoffs? I mean, come on. That I've never heard of that, but I feel like what I keep thinking while you're, you're, you're talking is if they manage to just get there, it's like, so this team who's barely over 500, let's say the Indians make it and they're barely over 500. They are There's something about playing a team like that where a good team might kind of let down their competitive spirit a little bit sure. and they could be a surprise like the teams you mentioned earlier that won the world series you never know i mean that's the thing once you get in so many things can you know how many times have we seen a pitcher who was even like he was okay in the regular season turn into superman in the playoffs yeah i mean mean, that's and that's almost just that's just a natural way of things sometimes like where things just balance out because everybody has hot streak. If you're a decent player, you have a hot streak during the season. Sometimes yeah. it might just happen to be in October. Right. Right. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, now the Cubs. Now they're interesting because they're kind of in that. I mean, I don't think it just doesn't feel like Hoyer has quite yet made up his mind. You know what? course of action the team is going to take you know whether they're going to you know do you keep bellinger do you keep stroman um sounds i mean even like gomes you know or some of these get what you can for them um just because the cubs are seven out from uh, although like we talked about the reds look like they but the Reds, I mean, I don't know. Are they really a sure thing? I, I mean, they're ten games over, and it's July. Yeah. I think. I think they're. If you're doing that well, your confidence is there. Sure. I don't think they're gonna. They might come back a little bit, mm. but the Cubs are gonna have to play really well if they're gonna catch them. They'd have to. 10-game winning streak, just something extended. And the Cubs have not shown that at all this year yet. I mean, they had one stretch, I think, where they were 11-2. and Yeah. But then they do stuff like get swept by the Phillies at home. And then you're like, but but you see, this this is the back and forth being a Cubs fan. Then you're like, well, but then Philadelphia is like setting this record for winning on the road. Phillies are hot. Well, maybe it was just the Phillies getting out. But, you so. caught them at a bad – the Cubs caught them at a bad time. That's what I tried. The optimist in me is Stroman, Steele, Hendricks. Smiley's been a little off lately. But that's that's still a pretty good rotation. And Jamison Tyon, if I'm saying his name correctly, finally had a good game, and it was against the Yankees, which was great. Maybe he's figured something out. And Bellinger's really good. 
you want some other guys to hit better, like Hap and Suzuki. Swanson, who is on an all-star team, but I feel like Swanson could be playing a lot better offensively. I mean, you're not going to complain about his defense, but he could be hitting better too. Right. But it's eight games back is a lot for a team that hasn't been consistent at all this year. Right. Um, but you have you have guys who are signed for pretty long contracts with Swanson and Hap and what are you going to do? Are you, I mean, are you just going to break up the team and these guys that have signed a long contracts are just going to be on a bad team? I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if you want to do that if you've invested all this money in those guys. Right. There's a lot of people that just say, hey, you know, continue with your plan of they, they need they – I, I don't think they've solved the first base question yet um yeah nobody it's it's weird that none of those guys worked out because mancini he he was pretty good at least the end of the year last year with the astros yep mervis great prospect and came up and just after a decent start just didn't get it done and then they're trying this guy young jared young yeah they're just I almost think just put Mancini in there for a couple weeks. Just have him play every day and see if that gets him going. What about playing Mervis every day? Do you think that puts too undue pressure on the guy? Or, you know, just let him figure it out and struggle? Like, say what they're like. It depends what you're going for. If you're still invested in the season, then it's not the best idea. Maybe keep him in the minors. But if you're like, we're not going to catch the Reds, then bring him up. Let him play every day. Right. Let him figure some things out, and then, uh, and then what to do with Morel? That's another. That's another consideration. You think Morel could play first base? I I would say put Bellinger at first base. Yeah, the, but and, this is the type of stuff that keeps happening. Bellinger has been playing a good amount of first because okay. they put Talkman out there, and he was. He was really good. Now his average is down to 239. Right. After playing really well. So he might, Bellinger will probably just go back to center. Right. Because I don't, if Talkman keeps not getting any hits, they're, they're just going to put him back on the bench. Can Morrell play first? I don't even know. I don't think Morrell, he's played almost every position, but I don't think he's played first. <laughs> why maybe, not try? That might not I mean, be a bad option. Yeah. Why not? It's not like he's not used to playing a different position. Yeah, uh, that's true. The Guardians are trying it with this guy, Arias, Gabriel Arias, because they love his talent. They don't have a position for him. So they're, they're, they've, they've tried him at first. And the kids, like, he's into it. So he's taking all these, like, you know, extra outfield. And they're trying him in left. They're trying him in right. Um. Yeah, I mean that's what you want to do. If if you're a player, want to get playing time, you're going to do whatever they they want you to do. Exactly. Especially if you're you know you're a young guy. Especially with Morell, because Morell, you know, offensively seems to have figured a few things out in terms of you know hitting. I feel like you need his bat in the lineup. Yeah, I think so. Anyway, and he's he's one of our 
I mean, I feel like we only have like two power hitters really because it's him and Bellinger. Right. I mean, some of these other guys normally hit more homers, but they're not. What is um, uh, what is your take on Suzuki? Is this is he still is he what he is? In other words, are we seeing who this guy really is, or can he? Or have we? Not I seen- like to think no, but I feel like this year I haven't watched enough games live, I f- I, or not even live at home even. Right. I'm just been reading about the Cubs lately. I don't remember. I haven't. I don't remember last time I watched a Cubs game, mm. and I feel like actually seeing a bat gives me a better idea instead of just looking at oh was he was one for four yesterday with a walk or something. Right. So I I'm I don't have like a clear judgment on him yet. Uh, there was one more. Oh, uh, Smiley, do you think this is a blip? Because he's- I hope so. Because because if he can get back to what he was earlier in the year where he had a great stretch. Mm-hmm. Then you have four really good starters. And that that's how you can get a winning streak going. Yep. It looks like Hendricks is all the way back. Well, he, he didn't have the best outing yesterday. Well. He gave up a couple homers. He gave up four runs. And he'd been – his ERA was under three up to that point. Yeah. So – I guess when he's pitching that well, then you're like, Ugh. not that it's a horrendous outing, but you're like, oh, no. Right. And he's my favorite. So I'm always like, no, he should throw a shout every time because he's he's my favorite. <laughs> I, I uh, Hendricks did uh, text me and say, please, Beave, talk to Len. The fax, first of all, the fax machine that was delivered uh, to uh, 1060 West Addison's this is for Kyle's locker. From <laughs> I can send him pitch by pitch updates. A little much. <laughs> uh, I said I'll pass. I liked that. it when uh, our good friend Colin Milroy, who's been on the podcast a couple times, yeah. when he worked at Wrigley, he would just hand Kyle Hendricks our notes. Me yes. and Colin would combine our insights into the pitching world. And oh, what a uh, what he's a such well- a nice guy that he would wait until Colin was. Not paying attention and throw them right in the garbage. I was going to say, what a wealth of information you guys <laughs> So much expertise in yeah. one big pile of paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, well, now it's the All-Star break. And so um, we won't get back on the swing of things. Until- Do you like the All-Star game? You know... I think that uh, with the all-star game, it's just not the, I, but I think it's a reflection of baseball's popularity in general. Like when I was a kid, the all-star game was big. That was a big deal. And you watched, it was the only baseball game on. And it was, you know, everybody was together and all the, you know, all the great players were in, and it was a real showcase and, and you looked forward to seeing, or I looked forward to seeing how the, you know, the Cleveland, you know, guys would do. They, there are, there weren't very many of them. So you wanted, I always was like, Oh, just like get a hit. And yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but today I don't feel like it's got, but I think that's, 
baseball's stature in you know the u.s sports scene now just in general i just don't think that it's it's the but do you like it i do i do i love it i love it especially nowadays because i don't know any of these guys so it's my time to see some of these rising stars play so it's always interesting for me oh this guy's having a really good year i've never heard of him right right let's let's see him play right right i think that's part of it too i feel like i enjoy it but yeah i wish i knew more of these more of these players because like Mm -hmm. you say like in the 70s i knew all of them yeah me too every i knew every single player it's crazy (laughs) and like but like a guy like Otani, like he won't pitch because he's got a blister or something. He's not going to pitch. Yeah. But he's going to bat. Oh, yes. Okay. I think that was the latest. Mm. He was going to bat. Yeah. Uh, and I even said that once to Brian and Anthony about Otani. Is like, I feel bad as a baseball fan. I really haven't seen him play that much. Right. He's just a once in a lifetime talent. Oh. If if Otani was in the doing what he was doing, at, say in the seventies, this guy would own the the sports market. He'd be on the cover of Sports Illustrated, like every other week. He'd be the biggest thing ever. And now it's just like, oh, that's pretty cool that he leads the league in home runs and also in <laughs> top ten in yeah. PR. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's true. And it's just sad that I, you want Anaheim to make the playoffs so we could see him in the playoffs. Yes, him and Trout. And it's just never happened, even with Mike Trout being on the same team with him. Incredible. Two of the best players in baseball, and they can't make the playoffs. Yeah, it's it's still like an open question. That's not a, for sure. If the season ended today, they wouldn't make it. I know. Um, I I want to see them in the playoffs. And they have Rendon. I always watch at least something, some of the playoffs. Right. Oh, I never miss them. Now, as far as like the playoffs go versus the All-Star game, like the playoffs I'm I'm really into much more than the All-Star game. But the All-Star I game. think for me, it's like I said, it's just it's just fun to see these guys. No doubt. I haven't seen them play. Right. And it used to be just more like the American League, but nowadays even the National League, some of the guys I don't know. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Anyway, uh, before we leave and move on to the WNBA, did you see the highlights of Ellie De La Cruz? No, I heard about it. <laughs> at, oh, my. I'll send it to you. Oh Basically, my. stealing the cycle is what I would call it. They said the last player to do that was Greasy Neal back in 1917 or something like that. Wow. Yeah. I was like, good old Greasy. I don't even want to know how he got that nickname. but uh, <laughs> Because but, back then, baseball players didn't get played enough, and he probably worked as a mechanic. Probably. Yeah. Well, it's, it wasn't, it's, it's no old Hoss Radburn, but I'll tell no, you. No, nothing is. Anyway. Uh, should be a fun uh, all-star game and we'll maybe we can talk about that next week mm-hmm. on the recap anything else before we move on to the sad sad story of the chicago sky empty ladder i call it 
Yes, there is a ladder outside my window that was once that was once populated by a by a man. Here stood <laughs> a man. That man is yeah. gone. Yeah. What was your reaction to the news? So those of you who don't know, James Wade, former head coach of this title winning head coach, guided the sky to the WNBA championship. Uh, two years ago, uh, resigned to take a job as an assistant coach with the Raptors. Yeah, weird move. Yeah, so weird. But I had to read it three times when I, I saw it happen. <laughs> like, what? Right. And I mean, you can kind of get okay. I want to get into the NBA, but it never seemed like he mentioned that right because one he wasn't just a coach he was the gm right and he made a big risky deal last summer i mean not last summer uh in the spring when he traded all these draft picks to get mabry right and mabry i mean i think she's a decent player but he way overspent on her because she's not a player who makes other players better. Mm-hmm. She's streaky. Yeah. I mean, she's a good she's a good scorer, but like yesterday, she scored five points. Right. And, and so you gave up all that for a person who scores five points. I mean, she's I think she's averaging like 15 or 16. And I remember when we got her, and I was like, is she a volume shooter? And she's not, I wouldn't say she's that bad. You know what I mean by volume shooter? Just somebody, no matter what, I'm going to make sure I take double digits and shots no matter what. I hate to say it, but uh, like Kobe Bryant. Yeah, I I don't really think she's that bad because there was one game where she was hot and they just kept doubling her and she didn't force shots. A volume shooter is going to force shots. True. But and I don't think her shot selection is that bad. Sometimes she'll take a shot. I'm like, mm. but it's not like watching. <laughs> this is a reference for all our younger viewers. Vernon Maxwell. <laughs> Vernon Maxwell. Where she's taking crazy shots or anything like that. Mad Max. But but that's that's kind of a problem, though. It's like her and Copper are the two best scorers on a team Mm -hmm. but both of them don't really know how to set their teammates up right so if those two are taking the most shots but they're never really dishing the ball right that's not good for your offense i think that's that's why the sky have been so up and down this year because copper at a game see they can't beat atlanta they, I think they, I don't know if they're 0-3 or 0-4 against Atlanta. They played two in a row against them. Copper had 28 points going into the fourth against them and then scored zero in the fourth. Just, how does that happen? You can't find a way for her to get open. And that's the new guy coaching. So there's just chemistry issues with this team. and. It seems like Copper liked Wade as a coach. 
but it, it there's just so many odd things about this. Like how <laughs> you do all this work for your team. You're the GM and the coach. And then you just, I mean, if he was the, a coach in the NBA, like the actual head coach. All right. I get it. But to be an assistant and abandoning what you've done. And he's the type of guy who's like, all right, I'm going to show you. We're going to still be good. And he's just gone in the middle of the season, too. It wasn't even like he took the job when the season's over, which he probably could have because the sky season, he, he could have finished up the year and, and gone to the Raptors. If they really Raptors really wanted him, I think they probably would have waited. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff yeah. that we probably don't know about with this. Has to be. Has to be. Yeah. It's very um I mean he's really leaving these guys or he's really leaving this team in the lurch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I get it, you know, if there's an opportunity, you know, especially to, you know be close to, you know, part of a new coaching staff because the Raptors, I forget who their head coach is, but um, because it was, it was Nick Nurse. They fired him. Is it the Celtics guy? Did they hire the guy who? No, that was the Rockets. Email oh, the Rockets hired him? Yeah. Um. Anyway, while our crack staff is researching who the Toronto, new Toronto Raptors head coach is, um, the fact that Wade would give up all that power to kind of get yelled at and take a job where he gets yelled at um, is interesting. Um, the Raptors coach is Darko Rajkovich. I love it. Hey, who was an assistant coach with OKC, Phoenix, and Memphis. Hey, when you get a chance to work for Darko Rajkovich, <laughs> you take it. That's not going to come around uh, possibly ever again. It's so much of this is odd. Yeah. You wonder if Wade knew some things that was like, I got to get out of here. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Hey, but I mean, this guy in general, like if we had this podcast last week, this guy were on a nice little streak a week ago. Mm -hmm. Courtney Williams got a triple double. Mm One of the few triple doubles in WNBA history. She played really well, and they're maybe thinking, "All right, we're going to get on a roll again." And then they just—they can't beat Atlanta. I don't know. I mean, I didn't watch the two games, but the first game against Atlanta was probably their worst game of the year. They just got out hustled, and and Atlanta is not an elite team. They're not. It's not like they're playing the aces. I'm like, I'm never going to expect, I'm not going to expect this guy to beat the aces. Right. But Atlanta is like, should be on the same level as them. But for some reason, the sky can't, can't beat him. You can't. I, I'm willing to give the players a little bit of a pass this time around because of the extraordinary uh, circumstances, what's going on. But you're right. It's those are, they're under, they're more understandable given what's what's happening um just in the organization yeah i mean maybe they they still have plenty of time to turn it around i guess is my point 
I was just gonna I was just gonna check that though, because how many I mean I'm trying to think how many games they have left. Their all-star break is coming up. So they got I think they're maybe they're all-star games next week. So maybe they can figure some stuff out after that break. Yeah. Well, uh because I, I'm, I'm not sure when the playoffs start, but they start like in, um, they start in like August, don't they? The playoffs. I think so. I'm, I'm, I don't know. Is it? Oh, oh no, it might be later. August. It's September. No, you're, right. you're right. September. Yeah, September. And there's more games this year than there were last year. I think in the regular season. Right. Because got a whole... there is 40 games this year. Yeah, nearly two months left of, of games. Okay, so that's a good amount. They are not totally... But they're kind of like how we're talking about with the Cubs. They're almost having the same type of season as the Cubs and the White Sox. Although the White Sox are worse. But the kind of up and down thing where you look at them and... You think their record should be better. And they play the Sun on Wednesday, and the Sun are a good team. Yeah. But then they play the Mercury and the Storm, who are two of the worst teams in the league. You think that's a prime, get well, quick opportunity? Well, actually, that's after the All-Star break. So they get a break because their last game, Wednesday is their last game before the All-Star break. And then they have eight days off, and then they play the Mercury, who are having a bad year. Yeah. So they could there's, – there's, there's, let's figure some stuff out. Right. And actually, their their schedule doesn't look that hard. Yeah. Uh, the, the the stretch right after All-Star break, the only good team they're the – really, the only real good team they're playing is the Aces. So that's like well, pretty much an automatic loss. But then it's another game with the Storm. Actually, they play the Mercury in a storm. Four out of the or wait, is it four out of the first? Yeah, four out of the first five games are against four bad teams. I mean, four two bad teams, but they play them twice. Yep. Then they play the Wings twice, who are not the best team either. And then they play the Lynx, so they could get on a streak. And... By that time, the new head coach Len Foot will be squarely <laughs> in place and have. Uh, instituted his run and gun offense. <laughs> Actually, uh, <laughs> what the what the run and stun? Oh, that's uh, that's a that's a football uh, that's a football offense. I might be too busy writing important my <laughs> four hour play. There'll be we'll see if I could work them both in your four hour play on yes. the human condition, <laughs> starring <laughs> just you. Yes, one man show, four hours. Mm-hmm. Intermission? Yeah. Undetermined may not be an intermission. I don't know. I think people might be mad if there's an intermission because they're going to be so absorbed in the work, they're not going to want to have an intermission. How could it be called anything other than important? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if we could do both. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I'm sure if anyone can pull off both, it's uh, you. Um, and, um, 
you know, in, it just uh, it would just be a matter of applying your principles from important. Yeah, I think so. Uh, the Chicago sky. Yeah, they could go together. Good point. Good point, Pete. Thank you. Thank then you. Can, then you can hang out in my ladder, uh, which I am still keeping. <laughs> yeah, because you used to have Vandersloot would come up too. We've lost both of them. You used and to have Sloot and James Wade. I've sent a fax to Mabry just saying, hey, the window, the ladder is open. Uh, yeah, we have to break in a new ladder person. I haven't gotten a response yet from Mabry. I may need to move on. Maybe Copper. As, as a leader of the team, you would think Copper would be on the ladder. Maybe she's waiting for after the all-star break. Maybe I should insult her a few times and then she'll get on the uh, ladder. Good point. Good point. To, uh, to address my uh, concerns. So mm -hmm. I'll have to come up with some good lines mm -hmm. to uh, insult her. Maybe I'll get on Twitter and just start a fight there. Okay. Lots of options. Lots of options. Yeah. All right. Anything else on the WNBA? Now let's uh, move on to your I recommend for the week. Well, I had a lot of uh, things to think about and recommend. So I'm going to do two I recommends, but the, the first one's going to be super quick because the second one I want to talk about. First mm -hmm. one is a, it's a two-part documentary. I saw it on Amazon Prime and it's called Laurel Canyon. And it's about the mm -hmm. music in Laurel Canyon is really good. Yeah, there, that's uh, Jacob Dylan, right? No, there's a no. Second, uh, now I want to see because you're the second person to say, "Is that the one with Jacob Dylan?" Yeah, I like, no, it's uh, there's no narrator, and it's interesting how they do it. They just show a bunch of photographs and use uh, the voices, the actual voices of people who are involved in the scene, but you'd never see their faces. Um, so they, it's just voiceovers as they, and, um, but my favorite part of the whole documentary was Steve Martin, who I yeah. guess was <laughs> the Laurel Canyon scene. And he was like, oh, you know, the LA scene was, cause it was all about like, uh, the mamas and the papas and, um, Frank Zappa, Alice Cooper, the doors, Crosby, Stills and Nash, and they all lived. Jackson Brown, Linda Ronstadt, and uh, and then they would all play at clubs like the Whiskey a Go Go and the Troubadour, and, and uh, Steve Martin talked about how he was opening for um, Linda Ronstadt and uh, her backing band, and mm -hmm. uh, and Steve Martin said, and Linda Ronstadt was so gorgeous, and I worked up the courage to ask her out, and then we dated for two weeks. Wow. And, and then Linda Ronstadt dumped me because she said, hey, Steve, uh, when you date someone, the idea is to try to make a move on them, try to have sex with them. And I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> and Steve Martin was like, I can't. I just, I can't. You're too much. You're, you're too much. And uh, I laughed. And it's just lots of good stories like that. So it's called Laurel Canyon. Um and uh, and the music's great. Uh, but the second one that I really want to talk about, and it's a show that I've avoided, and I don't know why I've been avoiding it, but I think it's just because it's gotten all this hype lately. But I kind of was avoiding it even when it was first on, and I'm not sure why, but maybe talk about it. And that show is The Bear um, on mm -hmm. Hulu mm -hmm. uh, and uh, set in Chicago, and it is very much 
in, I mean, Chicago is very much like its own character in, yeah. in this show. Um, have you watched any of the bear? I saw the first season that I loved and I watched the first two episodes of this season. I was actually talking about this yesterday. We were. And that like some people are complaining, like, the directions aren't correct and things like that. But to me, it feels like it's in Chicago, which I think is the most important thing. I agree with that 100%. I feel like I could walk into a place like that in Chicago. Absolutely. Yeah. The real feel. And I'm almost done with season one. I've got a couple more episodes. Yeah. And I think the strength of the show is... I, well, I think the number one strength of the show is are the performances. Yeah, great, great actors. The performances mm-hmm. are, are, and they, uh, there's not a bad one. There's no one that makes me just go, you are not good. Everyone's terrific, everyone. And the cameos are great. Um, my favorite is, so far, is Oliver, uh, uh, it's Oliver Platt, right? Yeah, he's like a semi-regular though on the show. Yeah. Uh, but he's like a but he's like a name. He's a well-known. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh I every time he comes out, I just enjoy watching him in general. Mm-hmm. But the performances are all uh just terrific. Um who is your favorite? Now well, we're getting off from the performances. I think my favorite performer and my favorite character are one and the same but my favorite performer and character is the guy who plays i'm not sure of his name but he plays richie the yeah <laughs> eban eban moss background maybe is his name yeah he's he's great he he was on girls a long time ago and he was on andor he's amazing in andor andor and Couple other things, yeah. He's always good. Yeah. yeah. So, and that character is very well because we all know a guy like that. And so, yeah. those of you listening who live under a rock, the bear is about a uh, restaurant, uh, a Mr. Beef type restaurant in uh, in Chicago, in the in the River North neighborhood. Um. And uh, and uh, Bacharach plays Richie, who we're not really sure what he does at the uh, well, he, he works the register and he's kind of the face guy, but may, mostly he just spends his time BSing with everybody and just mm-hmm. causing a total nuisance. And <laughs> wait, till you, wait till you see episode two of the new season, <laughs> man, I can't wait. Eileen now is just fairly shouting at the TV, like just like he'll do something stupid, and she's like, "You're a dick. How about you walk out and don't come back?" That's great. So yeah. uh, I think that the writing is solid. I what I like best about the writing is that you're interested in these characters. Yeah. Great characters are you want to know their backstory. You want to know what happened to to get them into this position. Um, 
And I think that's always a, a, a strength of any show. And they do that very well. Yeah. Um, and I, I haven't, again, I have, I've only seen the first two episodes of season two, but what I've heard about it is they do more of that where they're, they have a couple episodes where they just focus on almost one, only one character. So I think they're going for great. a long run for this show. It feels like, which, which would be great. That would be, well, the yeah. season three, um, I'm trying to get it all caught up so that I can really get ready for for season three, which I'm very much looking forward to. Uh, the direction stuff, you know, <laughs> it's not just the bear. It's the, the trial of the Chicago 7, and it's uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. And I'm just like, how hard is it <laughs> to just go to a Google Maps and figure it out that's uh that's it would it would take you 10 seconds especially with the bear because the bear seems to really pride itself on you know this is you know we're we, this is the ultimate chicago show this is this is showing you the personality and everything and geography is a huge part of it you'd think they take the time to get that right but that doesn't bother me though because I, I don't care enough about that even i mean i grew up in chicago but i'm like eh whatever the feel of it is what only if it's is what egregious. only if it's really egregious well if it, if you notice it that's bad i guess but i don't really notice because i'm not i guess i don't care about it enough they're like but i guess if you do care about it and it takes you out of the show that's that's bad when he goes hey man you can't take the kennedy to the naperville the kennedy to naperville you know, he lives in Wilmette. You got to take the Edens out to Wilmette. I'm like, first of all, you're saying that while you're driving on Lakeshore Drive. <laughs> oh, that. <laughs> yeah, that's not how my mind works, though. But I know a lot of people have that. I, that's just not how I am, though, with that stuff. Secondly, you don't take the Kennedy to Naperville. Just, God, just like, just take the, t anyway. But I, I, you're right. It doesn't bother me either. It doesn't bother me either. Um. So that's my I recommend the bear. Yeah. All right. So my I have two I recommends. One of them I think you just recommended not that long ago. The Reggie documentary. Yeah, what'd you think? Really good. I watched it today. And I won't say a lot about it because you talked about it, but just a couple things. One is you forget all the big moments that Reggie Jackson was part of. Yeah. I mean, everyone knows the three homers in the world series but he also and i remember this when i was a kid it was like five years old all-star game he hit like a homer on the roof and hit like a lighting light fixture it was just insane how far he hit the ball yeah and he was on not just the yankees but he was also on the a's which is one of the most i guess uh interesting teams of all time absolutely with just the personalities, Raleigh Fingers by the blue, and just how exciting that team was. Yep. And he was the first, he was one of the first big free agents. Yeah. And it's just like, oh yeah, you're just like all this stuff. And it was, it was great. It was, and I, I don't like the Yankees, but watching it made me, appreciate reggie jackson more no doubt and all this because you, for, you forget the stuff he has to go through 
I mean, he was, he started out in the late sixties where people were still going, Oh, you can't eat here if you're black and just idiotic stuff like that. So he had to work through all that. And I mean, you're, you're super young, you're super young and you're, you're trying to make it as a baseball player. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) and even when he's older, he's got to deal with Billy Martin. Oh my God. So yeah, I am with you on Reggie. Really enjoyed it. Very, very good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, I really liked it. My second I recommend, and we talked about this one briefly a couple weeks ago when I was talking about how I sampled a bunch of shows. Mm-hmm. So Jury Duty was one of those shows. And it is so funny. And the premise of it is this guy who's not an actor is told we're going to do a documentary on a jury. So this guy thinks it's a real case. They put an ad on Craigslist of all places. So he answered the ad and he thinks he's on a real trial. Mm -hmm. And everybody else in the show is an actor, including James Marsden, who plays himself and is really funny. They're talking about him getting nominated for it because he's so good in it. He's basically just playing like <laughs> like a total narcissist actor, and he he's very funny in it. And everybody else, because I think they got a bunch of actors, but not real well known ones, so this guy wouldn't recognize them. Right. And they're all they're all great on it. Every episode has some good laughs in it so mike i just like i gotta i gotta finish this i don't think it's a lot of episodes it might be eight or nine episodes and i i loved it and it was one of those shows where i was just like i gotta keep watching this i gotta keep and that's and that's i mean with so much content out there that's a real tribute to how much i liked it uh where is it where where does it play where is it playing it's on freebie nice you can also access it on Amazon, but if you don't have Amazon, it's free on Freebie. Mm. Yeah. All right. I'll uh, I'll definitely check it out. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about it more at the end of the year because I'm sure it'll make my top ten. Okay. Awesome. Um, anything else from I recommend before we? Move no, on that's it for me. To the musical part of the program and that is of course rolling stones top 500 albums of all time and uh i'd hope to get 10 for your uh listening pleasure but i was only able to get to five so maybe next week i'll have 10 trying to trying to keep it uh you know current but we're almost done um we thought this day would never happen but we gotta (laughs) wait almost in single digits beef uh album number 109 that's how close we are lou reed transformer uh produced by david bowie and uh featuring his biggest hit uh walk on the wild side um but it's got some other really great songs vicious uh perfect day um and uh i really like this album i'm not sure that it should be this high i mean it's great you know what it's weird because 
I don't think it's very well produced, which is pretty ironic, given that it's David Bowie. That mm-hmm. I, mean, I get it. Maybe it's like he didn't want it to sound too like slick or produced and wanted to get that kind of underground New York feel to it. Um, but songwriting is, I mean, Lou Reed is, and his, you know, his, he's such a great lyricist too that um you know you you know that you know his 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 the lyrics for his songs will be interesting the songs themselves will be very interesting and um <clears throat> and uh you know sometimes i think that the uh um sometimes i think his songs get a little too um you know maudlin or kind of like more like overwrought but um but i think that uh you know he's and plus he was this this was like a glam album for him as well you know because it's bowie and he's trying to get with t-rex and all that which i think it works better for him when he's like the cool kind of street poet and i don't need to like be all like wild and you know part of like a scene he i i feel like lou reads his own scene at his best so all this all of this is to say i don't think this is lou reed's best album a lot of people think it is uh i think it's i think new york is his best but this is definitely his second best and i also think that this would probably like top 200 as opposed to like in the top 100s um, yeah i think it's i i, I like this album but I, I think it's a little high too but he's always been kind of a critical favorite, though, so I'm not surprised he's up this high. Yeah, I mean, Rolling Stone, they've got to put Lou Reed just because, just because of the Velvet Underground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, album 108, uh, Fiona Apple, uh, When uh, the Pawn, and it's an incredibly uh, long title, which she seems to really dig. Um, we've talked about Fiona Apple quite a bit on um on the podcast i think she's terrific i think they already like her and i don't think i also think this album is a little too high but i get it because i'm always a fan of like people who don't sound like anybody else and i don't think fiona apple sounds like anybody else she's definitely has her own sound her own great voice aesthetic her own everything is so original I one hundred percent, hundred percent respect her abilities and what she does. Mm-hmm. So I've got no uh, problem with this at at one hundred eight. I won't argue it. Uh, I I prefer title. I is title. They they haven't gotten. They haven't put title on. This is like her second. It's not on there, and it should be. Yeah, I, I listen to title a lot. This one I like, but I, I I don't listen to it like I I did to top with title. I feel like Fiona Apple's each album got more adventurous. Each album was more adventurous than the one before, mm-hmm. um, which I which is weird. I mean, it's kind of like, but I get it. You know, like maybe she's always been that way, and you know, I had to get get the you know, the pop credentials and the, you know, the 
backing of the record company before I do what I really want. But I mean, I, I mean, I, people say that cause it was popular, but it doesn't sound like pop music to me title. It's pretty dark. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. But still like, I mean, it's still fairly title is still fairly conventional compared to some of her other. Um, yeah, I think she got her success, and then she was like, I'm going to do what I want now, right, right. which is good. I mean, that's what you should do. You should be doing I stuff agree. you really want to do. Yeah, I agree. Uh, album 107, uh, Television, Marquee Moon. I love this album. I think it's great. Um, it's. I was just looking at it, and I'm like, I got to listen to this again. I like it. I mean, I, th- I think it's a really good album, but I'm like, I haven't listened to it in a, w- a long time. I'm like, I got to pull it out you know 107 is super high but uh and so i think it's got to got to be held to a high standard but i don't think there's one bad track on here no and and this is another critical favorite very much so this one's always referenced not just by critics either it's always referenced as an influential album Mm -hmm. yeah it's like thinking man's punk and uh so yeah, uh, I I really uh, and you know Tom Berlane, just the he does it all. He's like the song. He writes the songs. He sings, and he, the guitar is just incredible. Um, mm-hmm. My favorite is the first track, "See No Evil Rules," but all of it, all of it's great. Um, and I love Marquee Moon. Love it. And um, here's a, this is another one. And they never. It's kind of like. They never even approached this. Like they they put this record out. It was incredible and never came close to it. I don't even know any of their other other albums. Yeah. Uh I'll look up their uh because their second one was good. It was good, but nowhere close to Marquee Moon. I'll have my staff uh get right on that in terms of what their follow-up record was to uh, but they're still together. They just put out a single like uh late last year so they're still uh around um and uh adventure that was the name of the second album adventure adventure and it was it was, it was good but uh marquee moon's the one to get yeah. in my uh album 106 this is one of the most criminally underrated albums of the grunge era and that's whole live through this uh and i think you know i think that when this album came out i know i didn't give it a chance because i just thought courtney love was a jerk and you know she was i mean she was a lot of people forget that when kurt cobain died there were a lot of people that blamed her yeah mm-hmm. for his death yeah and said she's an opportunist she you know wanted she just muscled in on his action and took it all and um and killed him and and she was a no talent hack and all this and that and you know i'm not gonna that you know that part as far as her as a person and her relationship with kurt cobain that's neither here nor there all I do know is that live through this. Um, I, you know, didn't even give it a chance because of all the negative publicity. 
<laughs> and the loss was mine. This album rules. It's great. There's not one. I, I think we're, we're now to the point of the list where there's not, you're getting to albums where, you know, if, if I agree with it and I'm sure there's going to be albums that I'm like, I don't agree that like this does not belong. I'm sure they're coming. Uh, but the ones that do belong that I do agree with, they, the one thing they have in common is that there's no, this is 100%. This is a 100% no bad tracks. Every song, every cut is a jam. And I think that's lived through this. I mean, they, this album rocks from start to finish. Yeah, it was on my top 500. And then when I re-listened to it, I was like, oh yeah, this is really good. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. It's one of these that, and the thing about, like, I think I, I forget when I did give it a chance. I was like, I remember thinking like, I secretly really like this, but I've made some <laughs> Courtney love statements that I can't possibly admit in public that I actually really like this record. But I feel like this album, a song like Jennifer's Body is, I hear it now, like random places and yeah. like movies. Like they're the people who grew up with this album, like people that are directors and musicians, they're keeping this album in the consciousness, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. I feel like this is one of the albums that certain albums grow and get more popular as time goes on. I feel like this is one of them. Yeah, for sure. Um, the last album that I have, 105. Uh, this is a double album. It's live at Fillmore East. And I would say to anyone listening that are like, I'm not familiar with the Almond Brothers. Maybe there are people out there. I would say this is the album to get. If you don't know any Almond Brothers, start with Live at Fillmore East. And then I'm going to go one step further, Len. I'm going to go one more. <laughs> I made statements. I was told to be more provocative. <laughs> Dag bags by our wonderful sound engineer and producer and miracle worker, Declan Byer. Yeah. Uh, I was told to be more provocative. So here's my chance. I would say that you don't need any other Almond Brothers. Then you don't need Eat a Peach or Brothers and Sisters. All you need is live at Fillmore East. You don't need any of the reissues because it's all more of the same. It's all the, how many times can you hear in memory of Elizabeth Reed on some of these, uh, um, you know, um, remastered or, you know, concert, you know, you, you can listen to a lot of the Almond Brothers, you know, new live records, but it's, the, it's all the same kind of cut that you hear on live at Fillmore East. And the band is in fine form. Greg Allman sounds great. Dwayne Allman just lets it rip. The band is tight and it's just monster jams. It's just a big writhing kind of like snake of a band that just grows. It just, it just grows in power. And it's just this, um, you know, a lot of people have said, oh, they were a jam band. And while that may be true, you know, if, if you're going to lump them in with like, say the Grateful Dead, um in terms of that you know long songs 
extended guitar solos. I mean, they have a point. I see the point. Um, but uh, the Almond Brothers do it much, much better. And in my opinion, it's 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 raw. It's more powerful. Uh, I think Dwayne Almond is a better guitar player than Jerry Garcia. And uh, and I I reject it. I think this is straight up blues. And it's a real loss that Dwayne Almond was killed because they were, you know, they were going places and doing exciting things. And I think they would have opened the door. One of the things in that Laurel Canyon uh, biography, they talked about Little Feet quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Why didn't Little Feet make it? And I, because I think that they kind of defied convention. Nobody knew what to do with them. And I think Mm -hmm. Almond Brothers continued on. I feel like those two are kind of in the same where they took a whole lot of different styles and put it into one. I felt like, and the Allman Brothers were successful and maybe Little Feet would have been successful too. But anyway, all of this to say is that I think at Live at Fillmore East, actually, I think 105 is a little too low. I think this should be higher. Wow. That's how much I think of, that's how, that's how much I like this record. Uh, yeah, I like it, but I I would disagree that this is the only thing you need by them. Oh, would you? <laughs> well, I guess we <laughs> found ourselves a podcast topic. <laughs> I will take my notes. But like I said, I'm here to be provocative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you would include Eat a Peach? You have to not, you have to have some studio albums. You can't just have the live album only. <laughs> I don't the even know. Diamond I, listeners are being treated to be giving me a face that you would give when you're like 10 years old. I don't even know what that face even means. <laughs> like Steve is getting a little tired. So let's wrap I this think up. I am getting punchy. I'm done. Punchy. So we're going to have to wrap it up with oh, my 500 done. favorite albums. Let's do this. And we're going to start with number 305. 305. Which is. Ooh, little Doty for us. Golden Delicious by Mike Doty. Love Mike Doty. Me too. This one came out in 2008. But you I might be the one. one. What? I don't, I don't know that one. I don't know Golden Delicious. You might be the one. This is a second album. You might be the one that I've been seeking for you. Wait, you might be the one that I've been seeking for. You might be the strange. Am I reading this wrong? <laughs> I'm also punchy. You might be the one that I've been seeking for. You might be the strange delightful. You might be the girly who shall end all girls. You might be the sweet unspiteful. That is a song called 27 Jennifers, one of my favorites on the album, along with I Just Want the Girl in the Blue Dress to Keep on Dancing. That might be my favorite song on the album. I Just Want the Girl in the Blue Dress to Keep on Dancing. I wrote a song about your car. (laughs) Yeah, he's a really good, he's really funny in concert too. We saw him in concert. Oh, you did? And there will be another Mike Doty album on this list. 
you know, he's in soul coughing originally. And I guess I know this from XRT. Sometimes I listen, I have these albums. I'm like, how did I end up knowing about this? Yeah. It's always XRT, isn't it? So it must've been, it must've been XRT. Yeah. And like I said, he's a really good lyricist. A lot of catchy. There's only one song in this album I don't like. There's a song called <laughs> More Bacon Than The Pan Can Handle, which I skip. <laughs> but I enjoy everything else on it. My, my second favorite album is this. His other album that I'm going to talk about later, every song I like. Right. And I, I guess it didn't make, I, I couldn't really find much else about the album. It didn't really make a dent. As far as sales or anything. Yeah. But he's got his nice little following. He's got his career. He's, yeah. He does just fine. Yep. Despite our concerns over his record sales. Yeah. And we've been talking about critical favorites today. So here's one of his ultimate critical Oh, favorites. man. Yes. This is number 304 on my list. It's Doolittle by the Pixies. And every time I see when it came out, 1989, I always think, feel like that's when it came out. I always feel like it came out later, but maybe because it just picked up later. Yeah. Like you heard about it more because Nirvana always talked about the Pixies. And it's again, it's one of those big influential albums. I can tell you that uh, I'm, I was a junior in college so that was 1990 and my roommate was constantly playing that yeah, yeah. and i yeah. was like this album rules yeah i said i don't think i really knew it till later maybe that's why i think it came out later yeah there was a guy an underwater guy who controlled the sea got killed by 10 million pounds of sludge from new york and new jersey this monkey's gone to heaven. <laughs> yeah, of course, is this monkey's gone to heaven. And debaser, here comes your man. Wave of mutilation. Yeah, not a bad track on this record. Yeah, it's, it's a great album. It should probably be it should probably be up higher. I think I listen to this a lot too. I don't know why it's only at 304 for me. Uh, it was really big in England initially. It hit the charts number eight in England. Oh, wow. Like U.S., it was kind of what I described. It was slowly, slowly kept selling, kept selling. Well, kept like selling. It was like like, but for decades, it kept selling. And it yeah. wasn't, it was finally certified platinum 2018. Isn't that funny? Yeah. I always felt like it was college rock, college radio. And then speaking of XRT, oh, my God. Yeah, and every every critic liked it. XRT played the heck out of this album. But as far as initial kind of sales in the U.S., it was in the top 100 only for two weeks. I believe it. But it was one of those almost underground things, and now almost everybody knows a couple songs from this album. Like "Here Comes the Man" is another one of those. I feel like that one gets used a lot now, all the time. Yeah. All right, so that is number 304. Number 303. Oh, here we go. Well, who knows more about Madonna than Beeve and Len? <laughs> well, I'm going to mention that in a minute. As referenced by our stellar numbers of our Madonna episode. 
Well, I guess you'll talk about it then. <laughs> no, I mean you. I mean, go ahead. Go ahead. So number three hundred three, a Click collection, basically a Madonna's greatest hits up until nineteen ninety. Right. A man can tell a thousand lies. I've learned my lesson well. <laughs> Hope I live to tell the secret I have learned. Till then, it will burn inside of me. So you get live to tell, borderline, like a virgin, material girl, open your heart, like a prayer. So I'm just mentioning my favorites. But if you're somebody who doesn't know a lot about Madonna, pick this up. And like what Beef said, we have (laughs) amazingly, we did a podcast on Madonna. And somehow it's one of our most popular ones. So if you're a Madonna fan and you haven't listened to it yet, apparently everyone enjoys listening to what me and Beeve have to say about her. Oh man, and 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 with good reason because honestly, uh, the the expertise that we bring to <laughs> is never more clearly on display than our signature. Even Bob Criscow's like bows before jag bags when it comes to well speaking of him he gave this album which is a collection of greatest hits a plus and do you remember blender magazine blender magazine said this is the greatest album of all time i think that's a little little extreme take it easy take it easy (laughs) it was number two on the charts and it sold so many copies. It's diamond certified, much wow. like our diamond listeners. Yes, the highest, highest of quality. Uh, yes, uh-huh. the highest of quality. But yeah, I mean, if you're in the mood for Madonna, and and I think actually something that Chris Gout did say about this is just how these songs hit you, the hooks and everything. They're just so many great ones on this album. Yeah, they're uh, perfectly constructed uh, yeah. for the most part. Yeah. Uh, I will say that I don't care for Papa Don't Preach. I can do without that. And uh, Material Girl is like, mm, whatever. I love Material Girl. Um, the only two that I, well, actually, yeah. Into the Groove is not my favorite, but I think nowadays I like it more because I don't hear it all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't like La Isla Bonita. How dare you? I don't. I think we talked. Yeah. <laughs> we had a whole running bit about La Isla Bonita. And yeah, I was a little. I was a little uh, offended when you didn't make when you didn't do you do when you did your lyric uh, reading and it wasn't last night I <laughs> of San Pedro. And uh, and cher- I don't like Cherish. I don't like Cherish. But yeah, the rest the rest of them, yeah, really good stuff. And when I say I don't like him, it's just more like eh, it's not as good as you know some of the other stuff that's on. Yeah. That yeah. Great. Okay. What is your favorite Madonna track right now? If you had to, it's not on this album. I don't think. Okay. I think the one that came to my head when you asked that, so I have to go with it. Uh, Take a bow. I love that song. I'm going with Vogue for now. Yeah. That's just yeah. I'm going with Vogue. Did you just give me a meh? Did you just say meh? <laughs> meh, meh, meh. 
All right, we got to finish this podcast. All I'm, right. worried yeah, about, we are I'm worried about Beef. We are getting punchy. Yes, it's been a while. He's punchy, he's feisty. He's <laughs> keeps looking at his phone because he thinks he's going to get calls about more opportunities for Ron. But <laughs> hold on, it, hold on. Oh, well, nothing. Oh, okay. nothing. sorry. Almost done, Beef. Then you can continue <laughs> to futilely check your phone. I need to like uh, pound the pavement a little more before bedtime. Yeah, I think so. Good luck. Well, the West Coast is nine fifteen. Plenty of time for me to. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure the offers are coming in soon. Oh, thanks, Len. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Another right. guy we've talked about on the podcast. This is one of his bands. And oh, yes, 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 yes. 302. I won't say a ton about this because we've talked about him a lot. Broken Boy Soldiers by the Raconteurs, which, of course, is one of Jack White's projects. Right. Brendan Benson. Yep. Came out in 2006. My Baby's on the Level. And I try to read her mind. She's on the straight and narrow. I'm guessing all the time. The two big songs on here are level and steady as she goes uh store-bought bones is a song i really like on that it's just a really solid album you listen to it and you're like yeah and we've talked about jack white a lot so i'm not gonna say too much more about this it's it's the raconteur's first album it was nominated for best rock album got good reviews it rolling stone picked it as the 28th best album of 2006 it was did well um as far as sales, it was number seven on the charts, and it was the 193rd best-selling album of that year. Um, All right, now to finish up. The last thing, I want to say one thing. We did an entire podcast on Jack White. Yeah. Check that out. It's with our special guest, Sherry Adams. Uh, just go to jagbags.simplecast.com. They have a search button. Type in Jack White. It'll come right up. That's a good one. So Yeah, another very popular one. We talk about that in great detail. Yeah, a lot of a lot of listens. So if you like Jack White, give that one a listen. Check that out. And here's another. I think have we we did a podcast on Stevie Wonder, right? Yes, we did another yeah. podcast. Yeah, oh, this oh, is my final one, and this would be higher, but I felt like it, uh, like I've said throughout this process, I haven't listened to it enough. But it was a great album, so I had to put it on here. Like 10 years from now, it would probably be much higher because I'd feel like, okay, I listened to it enough now which, where it should be way up higher. Yeah. And it's Inner Visions, Stevie Wonder. Fantastic album. Came out in 1973. His sister's black, but she is shown off pretty. Her skirt is short, but Lord, her legs are sturdy. To walk to school, she's got to get up early. Her clothes are old, but are never dirty. Living just enough, just enough for the city. That's such a great song. It's, oh like, my God. it's yeah. almost hard to listen to where you're it's like, oh punch. gosh. Yeah. That's just, just, that punch. just yeah, just the stuff that happens in the song. Yep. And it also has Higher Ground, one of Stevie's most popular songs. Of course, should be an amazing song. Yep. Don't you worry about a thing. Great. And when I was listening to it the other day, 
I'm like, how is Golden Lady not a huge hit? That's such a great song. Agreed. But every every song is good. Uh, and it's one I almost feel like when I listen to this album, I'm like, I'm just gonna play it again. It's that good. Uh, I love uh, Jesus Children of America. Mm-hmm. I love the Don't You Worry About a Thing. I love and. Here's my question. What do you think of Visions? That's kind of an unusual. I like Ivory Song. It's a, it's a ballad and it's very kind of like avant-garde almost. And mm-hmm. that could be, sometimes I th- feel like that's my favorite track on the album. Yeah. It's well, so it's, a, it's, a, it's a no skip album for sure. No doubt about it. You know, and uh, you almost are like, there should be more songs in here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Maybe that's why, I don't know, was this before Songs of the Nikki Life? I think it was. Maybe that's why he's like, all right, I have all these ideas. I'm going to get a double album next. I believe and it was. Yeah. What's amazing, too, he's such a child prodigy. This was his 16th album. That's, that's insane. Yeah, pretty incredible. It, it hit number four on the charts. Could not have gotten better reviews. The reviews for this album are like, this is the greatest. Every single review. And yeah. it won it won Grammy Album of the Year. And Living for the City, which was a song I quoted, won Best R&B Song Grammy. Right. But yeah, Stevie Wonder back then, he cleaned up a lot of the Grammys. It's a, and deservedly so. Deservedly so. I think of Paul Simon, when he won the Grammy, he thanked Stevie Wonder for not putting out an album that year. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Uh, we also, yeah, we do have a Stevie Wonder podcast. Um, and I think that was one of our, that was, I think one of our very first ones, if memory serves. Um, but yeah, he, uh, and we've talked about this, like the seventies, he ruled, he absolutely ruled. And as far as like his, uh, his run of talking book, music of my mind, inner visions, Fulfilling this first finale and songs in the key of life. I mean, those are five great, great consecutive albums. Um, so those and even hotter than July. Well, he had the journey through the secret life of plants, which have you ever listened to that? I mean, that was weird. Yeah, I don't I'm not I don't like that one. Yeah, but then hotter than July was pretty good. Really good. Our Stevie Wonder podcast was episode 38. So if you want to listen to that. Very good. Mm -hmm. And we go go through it all in great detail. Yep. Good choice. And that's it. Right. Beef can get some well-needed rest unless he can't sleep because he's expecting calls. Well, I've been talking to a lot of uh, people uh, peddling my Ron uh, project. Very exciting, based on my incredible response at Lane Call, which you can see at the Factory Theater on Fridays and Saturdays at 8 p.m. and Sundays at 3 or 2. 3. By the time you listen to this podcast, it comes out Friday. The last Sunday is July 16th. So if you want to see it on a Sunday, you got to go July 16th. Yeah, come out early because I'll be in front with my picket sign that says, More Ron. So that's um, one picket line. Do not be afraid to walk across. And uh, I'll hand you my uh, suggested rewrites, which I've also 
given to Lan and Oaken uh, called a new sh- and the new title for the show is Ron Call. Uh, and uh, so uh, that's also being pitched uh, none other than Mr. Paul Thomas Anderson has agreed to put it in his pile. So uh, uh, on that note, we want to say thanks very much for listening to our uh, hilarious, idiotic ramblings. Uh, we, you can uh, subscribe to us uh, and you can find us wherever fine podcasts are found. Just uh, type in Jag Bags Podcast. We'll, we'll pop right up, hit that subscribe button. You can get two incredible podcasts chock full of expertise delivered to your device um, every week. Uh, and we're also on social media. So check us out. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Drop us a line. Drop us a show idea. Just say hello. We always love to hear from you. Tell a friend about us. Thanks for listening. When you're ready to listen, put a little jag bags in your ear. <laughs>